0: time to be together, gathered together in a room. There's not a snowflake dropping yet, so you can relax and open up your Bibles and settle in as we continue our series in Titus called Truth That Transforms. We're in Titus chapter 1. And so I'll be finding that. How many of you noticed when um, Marie said, man, we need to be thankful for the little things sometimes and praise God for that. How many of you are praising God for little things like amazing chairs that you are now sitting in in here? Can I get an amen from the church on that? Hallelujah for some amazing chairs this morning. So that doesn't mean get comfortable and fall asleep. I'm gonna do my best to keep you awake uh, this morning at eight o'clock. Thank you so much for coming, and uh, we promise uh, to to get you out of here uh, before the snow starts falling and get you home safe today. But we're in Titus chapter one, and I'm excited about where we get to dive in today. Um, how many of you, real quick? How many of you like to put together puzzles? You're you're a puzzle person. A few, a few. Okay, all right, it's okay. Um, you might be doing some of that in the next couple days, right? Where you're sitting at home, you got nothing to do but but a puzzle. I found this online. This exists, right? This is the impossible, they call it the impossible puzzle. There are no borders, right? Uh, They are see-through, clear, and there's no picture, right? So it's just a bunch of clear pieces with no straight-edge border. You know what I'm talking about, puzzle people? Where... Maybe you try to do that first and then fill in. There's no edges, there's no picture, and they're just clear. Now, they call it the impossible puzzle. Some of you right now are like, you've got to be kidding me. I would never even think to buy that on a shelf. Some of you that raise your hands are like, oh, where do I get my hands on that? That would be an interesting challenge, right? Well, that same concept kind of existed when we, when we fall into this passage in Titus where churches were just being formed. Okay, This is early, early, early. Uh, early is in Acts chapter 2 early. We're, we're past some of that. Churches exist, and now we're starting churches all the way in Crete. So we've already crossed over and done some overseas missions and planting churches in different parts of the world. So there are some that exist, but this is still kind of a new-ish thing. There is no, no picture, really, Uh, Although I would say Antioch is a pretty good picture to follow. But the idea of, man, this is what church is supposed to look like. This is what pastors are supposed to look like. This is what ministry looks like. Some places were still trying to put together pieces of the puzzle. And even some places were already starting to get it wrong and get it confused and get it messed up. Those ideas are exactly what we want to talk about today as we jump into Titus chapter 1, as Paul is going to try to present to Titus what the puzzle pieces are supposed to look like in Crete. So if you found Titus chapter 1 by now, join with me in verse 5. We're going to to teach 5 through 9 today. So here's the passage. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order. Here you go. I need you to start connecting some of these pieces for me. And appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So there were different towns on the island of Crete, and those towns had churches, and those churches needed elders. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach he must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain but hospitable a lover of good self-controlled upright holy and disciplined he must Hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. A lot in this short passage. So let's pray together as we dive in. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much, Father, on the, on the edge of a, a winter storm coming our way, God, for churches and in our culture today, there's already a storm that exists around who the church is, who pastors are, and what truth is. And so, Father, in the midst of a storm of confusion and doubt and questions, God, help us to find the clarity that Paul is giving to Titus here. May it instruct our hearts today. May we respond today, and may we step out of these walls today to not to a snowstorm, but to a mission field, to carry truth with us as we go. God, use this time, be glorified and honored in it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So three areas we want to talk about today, and the first one is this. We want to talk about building and rebuilding the church. So we need to talk about two different ideas as it relates to each one of these points. One is building because they're establishing some things here. Paul's trying to establish things for the first time in Crete. But now we find ourselves in 2022, and the application is going back and trying to reclaim, reestablish, rebuild things the way that they were originally intended to be. And the first topic, the first conversation we need to have today that, that Paul goes to is the idea of the church. So let me ask you a question. Here in the room and not online, you can answer this question right where you're at watching online right now. If I were to say this word to you, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? When I say the word church, what do you think of? Quick word association game. I say church, what do you think of? Family, oh, that's good. What else? Yourself, okay. Building, ah, uh uh-huh. What about you at home? What do you think of when you hear the word church today? Now, let me ask this question, because those were good bedrock answers. Good job. What do you think our culture would say to that? In the world that we live in today, when, when the word church is out there, what do you think this culture in 2022 thinks of when they hear the word church? Offensive. Offensive. Crutch. Hypocrisy. hypocrites, Two-faced. Yeah. I would even say maybe building from the first list that we put together there. What about you? What do you think? What does the world think of? And so we're talking about the world of Crete. And this is what Paul says to Titus. He says this, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order. What that means is they were planting some churches in Crete, and now Paul leaves. But he leaves Titus there because there's some work still left to be done there's still some pieces that need to be put into place. For Titus, namely, that they needed elders in these churches. But it at least communicates this idea that there's a design, there's a plan, there are some things, essential pieces for the church that need to be put into place. This word for uh, put what remained into order is the Greek word orthos. Now, when you think about that word in our common day terms, where else do you see ortho? You see orthodontist, right? What's an orthodontist do? (laughs) Someone said pain. It can be painful, right? Because you've got some teeth that are uh, in need, right, of being put back into order, right? So an orthodontist is able to put what's in there straight and aligned and into order, right? When you think about uh, orthopedics, right? Sometimes they're setting bones into place, right? So this idea of ortho, so he's saying, I need you to put your hands on it, Titus, and I need you to put what remains into order. There is a straight, there is a design, there is a plan for the church that God has, and what we've talked about, Titus, before I left, I need you to finish the job, okay? Okay. I need you to put what remains into order. Now, here at Bedrock, we d- desired to do that from the beginning. And so when we came here, we asked that question to, we did some what I call ethnographic research. Caden would know all about this from his church planting class. There's demographic research. There's sociographic research. Ethnographic, I mean, uh, demographic is your numbers, your stats, your median age, uh, median income, household size. There's sociographics in that what do you, we do, where do you shop, do you drive to Lynchburg, do you drive to Roanoke, what's the patterns, what's your favorite radio station. By the way, when it was here, it was the country station when we first started, and then Q99 was second, when we, by the way, quick, quick note. Uh, there's ecclesiographics, what are some church data for the area. But ethnographic is just eyeball eyeball, man to man, hey, I know what the census.gov tells me about Bedford, you tell me about Bedford. What is, who, what's Bedford to you? And so when we started doing that, we would say, and what's church? And we would get some of those answers. Building, hypocrites, I don't need it. It's irrelevant. God was a relevant conversation in Bedford. Church was a difficult one. Okay. So we said, well, we need to redefine church as we see it in scripture. And um, we've been trying to establish that culture since we began and you've heard us say this from time and time again, right? Church is not a building. It's a people, right? We are the church. That's why we say on Sunday mornings, welcome to the outpost, a place where Bedrock Community Church, the people, gather on Sunday morning. So we tried to set that up. Look at some of these uh, images. This is what we were doing from the very beginning. I want you to see this. This is 14 years ago now. John, you may be watching this uh, online. Did you see, it? see this picture? And so... This was our very first sticky note on a wall when we did a planning session in Richmond. We brought this back. This was the original. This is 2007. We said, man, we want to plan a church that is a biblical community that exists to encounter the glory of God, experience life together, and engage the world with the gospel. Guess what our mission statement still is today? The vision of this church is to see this community rebuilding on the bedrock foundation of Jesus. How do we do that? By helping you, by leading you to encounter the glory of God, experience life together, and engage your world with the gospel, that we're here to serve and be about this community. And so we we set up things and all kinds of festivals. We did a lot of things right. We did a few things wrong, and we learned from both. Uh, we had we had this. We had another. We did a block party. You guys remember our big block parties? We took over Falling Creek Park a couple times, and we did bounce houses and snow cones and popcorn. And we did the whole church planting manual 101 stuff that we didn't know what we were supposed to do or not do. But we. the whole point was we want to put what remains. We had some things written on paper, but we wanted to start putting some physical feet to what the paper said to making it a reality, okay? And we did some things well, and we did some things not so well, and we learned, and we're still learning, right? 13 years later, we're still figuring these things out. But the idea is whether it's church planting or now the conversation can be church revitalization because what begins to happen is even though you begin to put some things into place, how many of you know those things soon can get out of order? Right, that, that, a, that a church, I mean, it didn't take us a year to get some things out of order. So we establish by putting some things into place, but there also needs to be sometimes going back to, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's the original design for the purpose of the body of Christ within a community. And if we begin to stray or get away from that, man, we need to get back to center. Okay. So Paul says, man, as far as the church is concerned, let's get back to who the church is. You ever heard the architectural phrase, form follows function? You ever heard that phrase? Here's what that means to an architect. You go to an architect and say, we want to build a building. Say, for example, this. Right? This was a Kroger building back in 1960. It was built. And then uh, Bedford Bulletin bought it, and Bedford Bulletin operated out of here. And then we bought it. And we had to go to an architect uh, to do drawings of what we wanted to see. And the idea of form follows function is this idea of, tell me what you want it to do. How do you want this building to function? And then we will build the form to accomplish how you want it to function. Form follows function. We want to be able to proclaim truth from this stage. Okay, well, then we better have this here and wires here and chairs out here. What I want to share with you today is I I believe we have something here where it's the opposite. I believe function follows form. I believe there's a desire and a plan for who the church is more than what the church does. We tend to place an idea... Of what the church is by only the function of the church, and we skip over who the church is. I I think as far as it relates to our ecclesiology, our study of, of church from Scripture, that function, what we do follows who we are. Because we are followers of Jesus, and because Jesus has made explicit commandments, I now function because he's chief shepherd. Who I am in Christ. You put this into your context. Who you are is not defined by your occupation. What you do doesn't define who you are. It just defines what you do. Same with the church. Our identity, there's something to be established here. We have shared beliefs. We have a shared Lord. We have shared values. We are a people in community, in this community. Ephesians chapter three, verses 10 through 11, give us an understanding of some of that. This is what Paul says after explaining how important the gospel is to the Ephesian church, so that through the church, not the building, listen, not a worship service, the church, the people, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And this was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What this tells me is, this idea of eternal purpose, God had an eternal plan for the church, his people, and us right here as the people gathered at Bedrock Community Church in Bedford, Virginia. There was an eternal plan and purpose and design put into place from the very beginning. It was accomplished by the finished work of Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, the church began because Christ died on the cross. His blood was shed. He rose again three days later, and the Holy Spirit came, and now the church in Acts is born because of the finished work of Jesus. That has been, always been the plan, and now the plan is for us to display and proclaim the manifold wisdom of God. That's what we do. Now, sometimes we get that out of whack. Sometimes you get really focused in on stuff and things and obstacles and struggle when at the end of the day, Paul says to Titus, listen, I left you there for a reason. We need to plant churches there. I need you to put what remains into order. Make sure we're doing the right thing. And first and foremost, right now, you got to get elders in the, you need leadership in those churches to make sure that they stay in the center of what the church is designed to be. Does that make sense? So there's this idea of, or now in 2022, maybe getting back to this purpose that we have, church, and that is to make the manifold wisdom of God known in this community, to bring him glory. That's it. Secondly, not only do we need to talk about building and rebuilding the church, but also forming, and and now in 2022, reforming leadership. You see, he says, I need you to put what remains into place. And maybe even at Crete, there have been some things that had gotten out of whack already. So there's some orthodontist stuff going to happen. And it's painful sometimes. But he says they need leadership. Now, let me tell you, Titus, what leaders are supposed to look like. So when you're establishing elders, you're looking for guys that look like this. And so he gives this list. Look at this list. As they're forming leadership, look at Titus 1.6 now. If anyone is things like above reproach, husband of one wife. Let me ask you a question. Let's go back to our word association survey. You ready online? Survey, think about this. When you hear the word pastor, what do you think of? Shepherd. Shepherd, that's good. What's that? Me? Hey, all right, I'll take it. Amen. Me, shepherd, what else? Pastor. Compassion. Ooh, man, I hope that's true. Shepherd, compassion, pastor, me, okay? Now let me ask, you know where I'm going, right? What do you think our culture thinks of when they hear the word pastor or preacher? What does our world think of? Greed. Greed. What else? That's it. They're just a bunch of greedy people. Used car salesmen. Woo! Let me show, let me show you Jesus. I can put you in Jesus today. What am I? What are you looking for today? I can, hey, listen, I, before you leave, I'm going to put you in Jesus today. It's going to happen. That's good. Prosperity. Health, wealth, and prosperity. Come to Jesus and it's all peaches and cream and roses moving forward. It's good. What about you online? What do you guys think of when you hear the word? What does our world think of when they hear pastor, preacher? Here's what Titus is saying. I want the world to think these things. So the idea, the original design is for elders to look like this. He says things like above reproach, husband of one wife, his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach, not arrogant, quick-tempered, or a drunkard, or violent, or greedy for grain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, wholly disciplined. It's talking to both the private life and the public life. At home, he needs to be loving his wife. He needs to be leading his family well. He needs to be leading his children well. And then what people see of him out in public needs to be somebody who's not quarrelsome, or arrogant, or a drunkard. or So both at home and out in the wild, private and public, in his house and in the marketplace, this needs to be true. We see a similar list uh, when uh, Paul instructs Timothy in the same way. This is 1 Timothy chapter 3. Look at the list in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Um, this is what it says. If anyone desires the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. An overseer must be above reproach. We see that phrase again. Husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He manages his household well, all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit, and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into the snare of the devil. Again, this list. Have you noticed in both the list in Titus and in Timothy that it is highly character-based? Character is such a big deal. Why? I read an article by a guy named Justin McKittrick, and he said this: "A man's depth of ministry." will never rise above his personal godliness. We can get so focused in on skill development that we miss character development. And that's primary. It is overwhelmingly the qualifications for Elder in Timothy and Titus because I can only go as deep as the well is dug. 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter chimes in. And he says this, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, someone said greedy, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but here it is, Be examples to the flock. That's it. And this is something that that we need to understand and and get back to. So in this moment, Paul is establishing, this is what the leadership of the church is supposed to look like. So when you're in Crete establishing leadership, you're looking for this kind of leader. Now in 2022, there have been guys that got that wrong and a lot of it wrong. And you to describe pastor and for someone to say, that's you, we know in this moment, I don't want to be on the news next week that everyone watches and some relish when pastors specifically fall morally and fail in church's clothes because they disqualify themselves by, by being like this. I, I, I beg your prayers for us because we're men and um, all of us, when we, when we, when we don't cling tightly when we're not abiding in Christ, it's easy to fall. So I, I covet your prayers for our, our entire staff. And these qualities, by the way, you say, man, I'm glad that's not speaking about me. I'm glad I'm not a pastor because woo hoo hoo Now, listen to me. Every one of those qualities should be true of every follower of Jesus. Right? Those are really good qualities. For anybody that says, I follow Jesus. Because guess what? The moment you say, I'm a Christian, the world's watching you. Because I know a bunch of Christians who say one thing and act something different. But man, if we pursued these qualities, what a difference we can make in this community if those qualities are true of all of us. Thirdly, not only do we need to talk about the church and leadership, but we also need to have a conversation about the truth let us talk about claiming and reclaiming truth. Paul makes sure to have an emphasis here at the end about what's truth. And this is something we need to establish and claim. And now in 2022, maybe reclaim. So let me ask you a question. Word association. Here we go. Third point, third question. If I were to say to you the word Bible, what do you think of when you hear the word Bible? Manual, someone said? Okay, good. I'm sorry? Truth. <laughs> and you stop cheating. Man, come on. Yes, all right, what else? Authority. Authority. Well, that's good. Okay. God's spoken, word. God's spoken word. Okay. Man, those are really good church answers. Okay. And accurate. So now let me ask the other side of the coin. What do you think the world thinks when they hear the word Bible? Story, Story. Offensive. offensive. Man, there's a lot of offensive coming out today. Divisive. Divisive. Outdated. Outdated. It's just some old book. Threat. A threat. Mm. Yeah. about you at home? What do you think the world thinks of when they think about the Bible? Lies. Interesting. This is what Paul says to Titus. He says this, this elder, this leader, the church and the leaders in it, this is what's so important for them. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict it. It's an amazing thing for for Paul to go, this is our source of truth. The church and the leaders of it need to make sure that they hold fast to this because it's going to get harder and harder in the days ahead to hold fast to the trustworthy word as it's taught. That there is trustworthiness not only in the scriptures and the Bible, but the gospel message itself. I need you to understand The good news is the beginning of your source of truth, that Jesus Christ came born in the flesh, fully God, fully man. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He suffered, bled, was crucified, and died in our place for our sin penalty. Three days later, God rose him from the grave according to the Scriptures. And then he ascended and he sits up in heaven and is our soon coming King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And by faith and faith alone in the finished work of Jesus, you and I can be redeemed, be rescued, be delivered, be saved, and have abundant life, not just here on this earth, but eternal life with God in heaven forever and ever and ever. That message is here throughout throughout all 66 books the story of the scriptures, the meta narrative is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's coming, he's here, he's coming back. It's Jesus. It's a trustworthy word. You can place your faith, complete surrender, and all you are to the Lordship of Jesus in your life. If you ask Peter, I love this passage. I wish I had time to, to, to declare this more, but we're, we're going we're to move towards clothes to get us home today. But notice this in 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter says, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter's like, I'm telling you, you can trust me. I saw the guy. I was eyewitness to all that Christ did. When he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Because I'm telling you, I saw him. I heard the voice. This dove fell. I was there. I'm telling you, it was majestic. It was glorious. We ourselves have heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter says, I'm telling you, I was there, I walked, I talked, I saw, I heard, and I'm telling you, this is more fully confirmed than my eyewitness account. To which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns, until the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, No, it's from someone's own interpretation. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. This is not a book written by men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter says, I'm telling you right now, what we have, men wrote words as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And this is more sure, more confirmed than even what I saw and heard with my own eyes and my own ears. It's a source of truth, the only one that I know, that is without error, it's inerrant. It's without the possibility of error, it's infallible. Because it's inspired, God breathed. And so it should carry authority and weight in my life. And so Paul says to Titus, make sure you establish truth in Crete because it's going to get tested in the days ahead. There will be those that will contradict it, and you need to be ready to have conversations. And the one thing that holds fast throughout all generations is that this remains true. It was then, it still is today. So what about you? What about us in this moment? I'm going to ask the band to come and join me on this stage as we, as we move to an opportunity for you to respond in obedience to this. Some of you, how many parents in a room? Did you ever think about this when you, when, you first, when you had your first child? We had this testimony in a baptism last year. There was a father that I baptized last year. This was his testimony. He said, I never went to church, never had a conversation about Jesus, but we had a son, we had a child, And the moment I held this child, I knew I wanted to do right by him. And I thought, you know what? If I want to do right by him, then maybe I should read the Bible with him. So he bought a children's Bible with the children's stories in it, illustrated children's Bible. And every night he would read a different chapter from that book to his son because he just knew that was the right thing to do. And then mama and son give their lives to Jesus get saved. And he says, man, the right thing to do would be, I guess, to get them in church. So even though I'm not really there, I, I want to do right by my family. I want to lead them well. And so I'm going to take my son that I'm reading the Bible to, to this church that's teaching the Bible. And throughout that entire process, God was working on his heart. And there came a moment as he sat in these chairs, he went, you know what? I think I need Jesus. All that to say this, If things aren't set in place right now, listen to me, it is not too late to set things back into place for your life and for your family. It's never too late for you to start rebuilding on the bedrock foundation of Jesus. If you're here today and you came out before the snowstorm, I'm so grateful. Many of you are watching online, so I want to speak to you as well in this moment. I almost feel like there's a, a need to apologize at some level because your view of the church has been warped and twisted by people that have gotten out of alignment that need it to be reset they need the orthodontist and maybe, and maybe you're watching online and you've never stepped foot into this building because your view of the church has been twisted by people that have gotten away from what we're supposed to be about some of you don't trust anybody that would stand behind a pulpit and open this up because of pastor so-and-so or deacon so-and-so and ran off with secretary and you, you carry some baggage of history of leaders that have gotten it wrong. Some of you are really uncomfortable when I open this up and because people have used this to abuse you in the past as, as, a, as a hammer to hit you with it. I, I hope this morning that you've seen in Titus that that's, that's, not how, that's not how it was supposed to be established. The church is here to love you and to serve you, these people. And and leaders should look like this list and sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes the church, the bride of Christ, doesn't look so pretty. Let me just be honest. Sometimes the meanest people I've seen are people that call themselves Christians. The church is supposed to be the bride of Christ and sometimes the bride is ugly. We acknowledge that. But I want you to see that's not the intention and it's our desire to live in such a way that God has set up as a church, as leadership, and to present the truth to you in complete, total truth and authority of God's word each and every week and in each one of our small groups. I want to say to you, maybe this morning, confusion over truth, distrust of leadership, uh, a pushback from church. Can I say, give us three weeks. Let's have a cup of coffee. I would love to help you work through whatever obstacles you have that are preventing you from taking next steps in your journey with Christ because a church got it wrong, a pastor got it wrong, or someone twisted a verse of scripture that got you confused. In those three areas, can we please have a conversation and help bring some clarity to you? To the church today, to those that are followers of Jesus, can I say that these characteristics should be true of all of us? Can I remind you what our purpose is, church, and to stay on course in 2022? We're supposed to manifest the, the manifold wisdom of God to this community can we get back on task can we make sure that no matter what's going on in our world today that we're on task and would you pray for us and if you ever see John G or myself or any of our staff or elders in one of those characteristics come talk to me hey man I noticed you were in that bar drunk punching that guy in the face the other night and uh don't think that's right. Hold us accountable. I need your prayers. And then the truth. Let's hold fast to it. Get into a book of Hebrews study, one of our men's groups, one of our women's groups. Let's get into the truth so that we know it. So that when we hear things that are contradicted, it's not just the elder's responsibility to correct it, but you're aware because you know truth that you, when you hear that's something that's not truth, you know it because you know this. What's the old CIA illustration, Papa Bill? Counterfeit division? I learned this at the chapel, Beacon Light Chapel, truck stop in Whistville, Virginia. CIA agents in the counterfeit division do nothing but study a real dollar bill all day long so that when they see something different, they know it's not real. How do you know that's a counterfeit? Because I know what the real one looks like and that's not it. We need to know what the real thing looks like so that when we hear something else, we know that's not it. That's true of all of us, church. And some of you this morning, and you joining us online, that list and that ministry, you're called to it. Some of you have been running from a call to ministry for a while. And you look at that list and you go, that's speaking to me. I think God wants me to be in full-time ministry. God wants me to be a missionary. I think God's calling me to be a leader within the church. Can I invite you this morning to surrender to a call to ministry in your life? And let us know about that. Because, God's moving forward, we need people that are going to do church the right way, be leaders the way that should be leaders, and hold up truth the way it should be held up in the days ahead. Let me pray for you this morning. God, thank you so much for your word. God, right now in this place, the many gathered here and those listening at home right now, God, there might be somebody here in this room who has yet to trust you. They've heard the truth of the gospel this morning. Maybe they've been avoiding the conversation because a church got it wrong at some point in their life or a leader failed them at some level or offended them. I don't know. God, would you not allow the enemy one more minute of victory in that person's life to push aside those things and just pursue the truth of the gospel that God, you love them, you died for them. There's abundant life and eternal life waiting for them if they'll just trust you by faith today. And God, for believers all around listening right now and in this room, God, may we step up to look like this. May Bedrock be set in order. May the leadership of Bedrock look like this. May the May the members of Bedrock Community Church aspire to these godly attributes and characteristics. And God, may we hold up truth. And God, for those that you're calling to full-time vocational ministry, God, would they stop running? May they start 2022 by saying yes, putting yes on the table and stepping up to be that kind of leader within the church or within the mission field that would hold up truth and proclaim it across the globe. God, have your will and your way in this place, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If any of that hits home with you and you desire to come up here and pray, please do so. If you're at home, reach out to us. Send us an email to info at bedrockchurch.com and let us know about any decision you made today. We would love to follow up with you and help you take some next steps. But let's stand together and let's worship this morning.